Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And this is episode number 90. We're making a habit of it now. This is two weeks in a row we've gotten together to do this. (laughs) This is our Cruella and Army of the Dead episode. Two divergent films. One Disney, one Netflix. Very, very expensive Netflix movie. Yep, absolutely. So, if you are checking out our podcast for the first time, what what is the Film Coterie, Adam? We are a general film podcast. We talk about movies, whether they're streaming, in theaters, or however else you get your movies in this day and age as the industry rapidly changes. Um, We're starting to see theaters reopen. Yep. Uh, The new Fast and the Furious has already opened overseas and made a killing in China. I can only imagine. Um, it's coming here in two weeks, I believe. I, I have to say, I'm excited to see the next Fast and the Furious. I have um, young adult children, and uh, they have, my son and my daughter have really gotten in. They like the spectacle of those fast films, you know? And so we'll probably go to the theater and go see it. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, two weeks or so here in the You're States. Right. And then this week we have uh, Quiet Place 2. <sighs> Yes. And Cruella opening for Memorial Day. Yep, absolutely. And so I imagine our next podcast, not trying to be clairvoyant or anything, but we'll be Quiet Place too. Yep, we're going to go for three in a row here. Awesome. So we are, we're in our north office here, yes. podcasting. <laughs> we were in actually the northwest office. We were in my office last week, the north office podcasting. But uh, what's been going on, Adam? What's happening, man? I'm still catching up on streaming stuff. Modoc came out on Hulu. So what is... Okay, this is a blind spot for me. What is Modoc? That sounds very weird. That sounds like comic booky. It's extremely comic booky. It's It's Modoc. He's a character from the Marvel Universe we've not seen in the MCU. He is a being with such a big head and tiny little arms and legs that he's in a floating hover chair thing. <laughs> And perfect fan casting, Patton Oswalt is voicing him. There's there's long been hope that Patton who, could play Modoc. Who else could could play a character like that than Patton Oswalt? Modoc stands for mental organism designed only for killing. Oh my lord. You had me at mental organism. <laughs> <laughs> but in this version, it's a stop motion animated comedy. Really? Modoc is trying to balance running his evil company AIM. And keeping his family together because his wife has filed for divorce. Okay, now hold on a second here. You said this is stop motion animation. Is this traditional stop motion or computer generated stop motion? It's a mix. It's okay. tr- it is the real stop motion. Okay. But, you know, computer obviously is coming in to help with some of the effects and everything else. Okay. Um, Patton Oswalt's great. The whole voice cast is great. And there's some behind the scenes photos of Patton doing some mocap work in an actual Modoc style costume. But none uh, of this is has much continuity with the comic books because Modoc doesn't really have a family. This is kind of the heightened, elevated comedy that's coming with making it into a divorce show. And you said this is a Hulu. It's on Hulu. Hulu. It's a okay. Disney. Sh- it's a Disney Marvel show. So, yeah. but consistent with their programming because this is TVMA. It's violent. It's foul. It has an adult sense of humor. So Disney is putting those types of pieces of entertainment from the Marvel Universe, like Deadpool and everything else, on Hulu. Right. I remember back when they merged, when Disney bought Hulu, however you want to say it, we had talked about that on the podcast, how the more mature stuff's going to go to Hulu, and they're going to keep the 
Disney Plus stuff, PG thirteen and right. yeah. So, well, that'd be interesting. I'll have to check it out. I, that's a blind spot for me. So, yeah, and it's called Modoc. Modoc. Whole first season's up, all ten episodes. And they did ten episodes stop anim- stop motion animation. Mm-hmm. Man. And it's funny, like I said, you'll see the other heroes. He's always battling against Iron Man, and in this version, John Hamm voices Iron Man. Okay. But he celebrates the small victories. So is he evil or he's good? He's a villain. No, he's a villain. He's a villain. Okay. But he celebrates the small victories. There's a running joke throughout the season. He stole one of Iron Man's boots. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a trophy for him nice. at this point. Nice. Nice. That sounds cool. Yeah, I, I've just kind of been... Um, uh, debating, you know, the roll back into movie theaters and hoping that we really see that open up and that we're able to do this podcasting on a regular basis. Um, I, I you know, and I've been just kind of hit and miss on TV, not really watching a whole lot right now. And and you know, with with Warner with Warner Brothers kind of announcing. They're rescinding their in-theater. Is that going on or has it changed again? It's changed again. There's, oh, my goodness. There's been confusion. Multiple articles going both ways. But as of right now, Dune is still day and date release. It'll be in theaters, but it's not going to be an exclusive theatrical experience this fall like it had been previously announced. So, our, so still, as of this recording, in late May... All of the day and day stuff is still coming to HBO Max from Warner Brothers. Yep, you can see it in the theater or at home on the same day. Okay, all right. I would. I think I would rather see it in the theater, to be honest with you. Right, and we're gonna have more of that option because yeah. when they started doing this, a lot of theaters weren't open. Right. Okay. So you do have the option to go see it in theaters, and to add further confusion to the issue. It sounds like they're releasing a lower tier of HBO Max. I saw that and I just, I had no clue what they were talking about. Something about a $10 a month. It'll have ads. But if you have the ad version of HBO Max, you won't get the day and date theatrical stuff. So you have to pay the $15 a month if you want to see the day and date stuff while at home. This is like a Microsoft release or something. You need the flow chart and the There's like nine SKUs here. (laughs) Yes. You know, come on, Netflix. I guess they do the similar model. It's the un-HD for 10 and 15 for the HD. But under either tier, you get their theatrical releases. For yes. instance, Army of the Dead, which we're going to talk about, they actually released in theaters early. Right. So they're trying out some stuff with their release model. So you, yeah. you could see it and pay for it in a theater a week or two early or just catch it when it goes live on the service. Okay. So that kind of makes a little bit of sense, I guess. You know, that's kind of the model... It seems like Amazon Prime is the the simplest one. I just get Prime shipping and stuff just shows up there all the time, you know. So, yep. <laughs> yeah, for me. But, uh, well, that's exciting. Well, I'm excited about our, our two features. Anything else before we jump into our films? I'm ready Adam. to talk about these films. All right. I think we ought to do Cruella first. So why don't we listen in to a little bit of the film? And you're also listening to the Film Coterie Podcast. We'll be right back. She thought she owned everyone. It's foolish. Unhinged. Well, you're fired. <gasps> Why are you speaking? I think you've licked me. But there's something about poetic justice that's just so poetic. You won't admit you love me. And so, how do you like to know you always tell me? Get her. This doesn't have to be a scene. It really, really does. Can I remind you all that I'm doing this in heels? What was your name? 
Cruella. If you can make your mind up, we'll never get I want to make trouble. You in? I do love trouble. a bit of an extreme side. Yes, darling. And what fun that is. She stole my dogs. <laughs> I guess you must hate her. She has made it me or her. And I choose me. Don't worry. There's lots more bad things coming. Perhaps... All right, we are back, and the first movie we're talking about this evening is Cruella. This is an origin story of Cruella DeVille, the villain from 101 Dalmatians, and and maybe some of the spinoffs. I can't say that I've seen all of the 102 Dalmatians or what else they've ever yeah, released animation-wise. But Cruella was a, a famous villain, and this is a chance to look into her earlier life, how she came to be. And if you were like me, you kind of shrugged this one off, because we've already seen Disney try this with... Um, Maleficent to mixed results. I, I can't say I really enjoyed Maleficent. Yeah. Um, I was worried that a lot of these villain origin pieces are just going to be sort of paint by number, cookie cutter, weird little stories that are trying to humanize. Sure. Humanize their characters. But Cruella, I have to say, is quite the surprise. This is a little gem of a genre film completely unrestrained by budget i couldn't believe how much budget did disney must have put into this with all the set pieces the huge cast the ballroom scenes the, the fashion the costumes the time period disney spent a fortune on this movie and it's a really smart script i mean if you have to describe this film it feels like a disney-fied guy ritchie crime caper fashion punk heist movie yeah uh, yeah a british uh, a british heist film you know I agree absolutely, and you, you know, when you see the you see the players, you're thinking, okay, Emma Stone, Emma Thompson, uh, Joel Fry is in this, and Paul Walter Hauser is in this, the two cohorts for Cruella, and a fantastically CG'd dog, you know, multiple dogs. I, I mean, just wow. Okay, what they can do now with CG is legit, you know. And so this could go. Are they all going to just cash it in? Is it going to be a generic script? No, I it's just an enjoyable film, man. Really surprisingly so. Really good. I was I was surprised as well too and really enjoyed it. And so um there there's enough callbacks, you know, the original uh uh 101 Dalmatians was set in the the posh 60s, you know, with uh, uh the, the just all of the martinis and smoking and just all that kind of that vibe that the sixties were with the art deco and all that kind of stuff. And this is set in the seventies and they capture a very 70 ish feel, a very fashion seventies forward thinking. And, and yeah. Okay. So, you know, uh, Emma Thompson and Emma Stone, they play a little to the stereotype of the aloof, you know, uh, hair, you know, aloof designer. That's kind of, Nobody gets in everybody's own edge because they don't know how they're going to react kind of a deal. But it's not heavy-handed at all, and it most of the time it's just fun. You chuckle and kind of laugh at it. 
and the bigger question I just kept finding myself thinking about when I watched this is who is this movie for? This is not a movie that I think young kids will have any interest in. So they're not aiming for that audience. I, I think they're really aiming for the 30 plus crowd with this just being sort of a, a real genre film to a character that they knew from their childhood or had some connection to 101 Dalmatians. Um, I think it's definitely aimed for even adults, parents. It's it's an older crowd they're going for with this movie. Yeah, there's no... The dogs are not played for just all this comic relief. And there's funny scenes in the movie, don't get me wrong, but it, they, they're not playing to the to the young kids at all with the dogs, you know. Yeah. And um, I just thought it was... I, I thought it was... I keep using this phrase since we started podcasting again, but like... There's a lot of truth in this as far as like an honesty with the her relationship with her henchmen, how they kind of band together and they become a family. It's an orphan story. Yeah, they're yeah. all orphans. They're all left to, to live in the streets, you know. And when she starts to become Cruella and take on that persona, and instead of Estella, who they came to know and love and they kind of were street thieves with, you know, Real tension, real, real kind of like, oh, this is a, you know, this could go really ugly if it's not played right. It also plays like a band movie because you know when you have someone in the band that's suddenly taking off on their own and the other two are getting left behind, right? Because Corella is moving up in the fashion yeah. world by being sort of a punk fashion terrorist. <laughs> well, what's well, like you know the 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 two henchmen that help her get the job that launches her career, launches her into stardom. They help her take on the alter ego of Cruella and all of these things, you know, it, it's like, it is the band story. They, they they are like, are we going to have a part to play when she's reached what she'll become, you know? And I won't give anything away. Not that, that you could even really even spoil this film. It's, it's enjoyable just at, at face value, but... Yeah, there's a payoff. There is a really cool way they brought this into a landing and kind of finished this film out. You know, the th in other words, this film could really suffer in the third act, and I right. didn't think it did at all. No, it's not really beholden to the original property. It pays some nice homages along the way, but it's not tethered into that. It's not on rails. You really don't know where it's going to go. And it helps that I think, like I said, it, it's just so unique that it just sucks you in throughout its runtime. I can't really compare it to another film. It's, it's definitely its own beast. Yeah. Which makes it a lot of fun. This isn't like Disney took a template from another film and, and carved this out. I mean, it's, it's definitely a unique little watch. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. Um, I have not watched it with my kids yet and I'll probably do that. You know, they're, they're 20 and 19 and college kids. And so, I know they're Emma Stone fans, you know, like and like her work and stuff, and uh, they're big Disney fans, both of them. So I, I, I'm interested to get their reaction as to what they think of this film. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm the old guy, and I'm liking this film and enjoying it. And for once, we have an American taking a British job. They're always coming over here and taking all of our work. <laughs> Go Emma Stone, right? Emma Stone is in this doing a British accent. I so. love it, yes. Turnabout's One small flag. victory for the old flag. <laughs> so anyway, I guess maybe as we, you know, like you said, to kind of, let's hit the points on this real quick. The costuming is fantastic. The uh, um, uh, choreography and music and the, and the stuff that's is great. The, the, the music. Let's just say there's a lot of needle drops in here. This is like an Edgar Wright film or 
I won't say Quentin Tarantino because it's all relevant to the time period. Right. But there's a lot of recognizable music in here. There's a lot of vinyl feel here, you mm. know, from that 70s flavor and feel, which I think was great. Um, our set design, great. I mean, it's just, it's really Disney hitting on all cylinders and a total surprise. I had no desire to see this film. And, no. And I was just looking for something for us to podcast about, you know, till we get to Quiet Place 2. And I found myself going, damn it, I really <laughs> like this film, you know? And it doesn't feel like the studio interfered at all. I mean, this is not your typical studio film from Disney. So we will say this, if anyone's worried about any dogs coming to unusual ends in this film, being made into coats or anything else, the dogs do just fine. Yep. All the dogs make it through the end of the movie. No yeah. concern. Yep. But I do think you're right. I wonder if this will even hold the attention of somebody in the single-digit age bracket, you know? Well, not even the intended audience, 101 right. Dalmatians, when it came out, which was a children's movie. This one is definitely for the teenage crowd and above, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. But with that being said, absolutely to recommend for me. Um, if you're a fan of anybody in the cast... If you're a Disney fan, if you're just a fan of a good kind of a fun heist romp, yeah, absolutely. So it's going to be available in theaters this week. It opens up this weekend, or you can watch it on Disney Plus for their premium pricing model. All right, that's going to wrap it up for Cruella. As we turn the page and we approach Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, why don't we take a little listen in? You're also listening to the Film Coterie Podcast. It's not every man who saves the Secretary of Defense from a horde of flesh-eating monsters, earns the Medal of Freedom only to end up... Working at a burger joint. Mr. Tanaka, I'm well aware of my situation. Here's the thing. There's $200 million in the basement vault beneath the strip. $200 million the insurance company already reimbursed me for. Untaxable. Untraceable. Unspendable? That's where you come in. With 96 hours left, the government has already moved more than half of its military presence out of the quarantine zone, which makes it vulnerable. I want you to put together a team and get it out. In exchange, 50 million is yours to divvy up amongst whomever you take in with you. All right, and that was a little listen into Army of the Dead. And this is Zack Snyder's um, next project since he redid uh, his um, Justice League cut, the Zack Snyder four and a half hour cut of Justice League, which has gotten mixed reviews and we won't even get into that film here. But I do want to talk about his partnership with Netflix and a lot of hope around this franchise, a prequel, a TV series, Netflix has just dropped, backed up the Brinks truck and said, Zach, make us a zombie film. Make us a film. And so Army of the Dead is kind of a new, uh, Zack Snyder's new, this is how I'll describe it, Adam, a new take on zombie genre. It's zombies and Ocean's Eleven. We're going to go into Vegas and steal a bunch of money and try to avoid being eaten by zombies, and so... And aliens, but we'll get into that and later. And aliens, <laughs> yes. So, um, how did you watch Army of the Dead, Adam? Well, uh, we wanted to sort of celebrate the release, because this is one of the biggest, if not biggest, 
budgeted movies that Netflix has ever done. Yeah. Um, they've hyped it up. So I had a couple of friends come over. We did all the movie concessions here. We had popcorn, snacks, candy. We were going to try to do a night at the theater here and just, you know, be in each other's companies now that, you know, the, the coronavirus restrictions are relaxing. Everyone's vaccinated. Yep. Um, it was a good chance to see some friends and, and watch a movie, which is what we did prior to the pandemic. And for me, um, I went around the house and I said, hey, I'm going to watch Army of the Dead. And they're like, oh, what's that about? Well, it's Zack Snyder's new film. It's got zombies in it. And I got rejected, rejected, rejected. Till my daughter said, yeah, I'll sit down and watch it with you. You know, what the heck? So my daughter and I, she's a freshman in college. Actually, she's a sophomore now in college over the summer here. Uh, watched Army of the Dead together. And I'll just go ahead and start here. Um, we were, there were a lot of things about this film that were very Zack Snyder-ish and really disappointed us and made us roll our eyes and shake our heads at. Now, there are some good things in this film, and we'll talk about those, but I got to say up front, my daughter, she kept looking at me and saying, are you serious? Is this for real, Dad? Do they expect us to even believe this is enjoyable, you know? She was not a fan at all of the film, and she's pretty open-minded and, you know, fun-going and kind of, you know... And, and she even, at one point, she asked me, she said, now, is this supposed to be funny? And, like, is this, like, a parody, like, you know... What's the other zombie film we saw with, um, oh, shoot, the other zombie comedy with Woody Harrelson and... Uh, Zombieland. Zombieland. And she, she asked me, is this supposed to be like Zombieland, like comedy? And I'm like, I don't know if it's a comedy or it's supposed to be serious. It has awful lot of intense scenes that makes me think he intended for it to be serious. And so we were not very favorable just as the movie as a whole. And we can talk about that a little bit. But what was the reaction at your house to the to the film? Well, let's see. We had a group of about six of us. Um, out of our group, only one person was generally a fan of it. <laughs> we had other people that were just on their phones the whole time. I uh, had a friend pass out cold during it. <laughs> and the rest of us would just kind of, you know, exchange glances at some stuff because it, it really wasn't the movie we thought it was going to be. Now, this isn't Zack Snyder's fault. This could be the marketing department from yeah, Netflix. Yeah, absolutely. Because the preview might make you think this is a fun romp heist with lots of music and action scenes and it's not it's a it's a serious film and i i think that surprised people um that may have been expecting something else based on the promotional material especially the posters and all the bright colors vegas really doesn't play that big of an issue in this outside of the opening sequence which is a highlight of the film the credits are great because they tell the backstory of all the characters but after that it's just men and women on a mission film right well, and well, you well, cannot really think about a lot of these plot elements without just getting mad at yourself for having watched the film. Because if you hold up a light to this thing, it really doesn't make any sense. Holes everywhere, my friend. But, the I film. Mean, <laughs> we don't have to get into the internal logic or character <laughs> no. motivations. No. The weirdest part of this, and, and we're not the only ones that are obviously going to talk about this, is that it seems to be based almost entirely on aliens. <laughs> Between characters yeah. and roles. I mean, we have a company man with a secret mission. We have a helicopter pilot that's sort of filling a bishop role, even in, in some of the end movie stuff. Yep. And it's just hard to ignore that once you see all the aliens connections. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, so there is a lot of bad in this film. And I was not a fan of the film. Um, and maybe... 
I mean, I loved 300, and I initially loved Zack Snyder's films. And maybe I've just come to the realization that where Zack Snyder has went in his filming is not to my taste. Maybe you out there in the listening audience loved this film. And I, I, I great, I hope you did, you know. This is no, there's no personal vendetta here whatsoever, you know. I, I started out a Zack Snyder fan. And so... I guess maybe it just wasn't for me. Now, now that's the bad. There was some good, like the opening sequence was just off the hook. I mean, just, he knows how to open up and start a film, you know? I mean, great. Uh, visually in, incredible, you know? Uh, so a lot of great stuff there. And then with Tig, the pilot, the helicopter pilot, discovering that she was put in after because the lead actor that played that had some off-camera issues... And they completely replaced, you know, a guy that was a foot taller and all this stuff that played her role. She CGI'd in at the end. And I, I was like, you told me that. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. I mean, that's a landmark film for that. They really did a good job replacing an actor if they had to. Um, and you wouldn't really notice it unless you looked for it. Yeah, a lot of her scenes are by herself. I was going to say, a lot stuff. of her scenes are out by herself. So that helps a lot, too. But there's scenes where she's with everybody. And it's, it's really pretty flawless. Yeah, I, I was I was shocked when you said that to me. I was like, oh yeah, I had I remembered something about that back in the day when we saw it in the news, but I, I had just forgotten completely. And so I'm really down on this film. It just was not good. It, I I couldn't decide if it was. A, yeah, I think maybe the commercial swayed me, and I thought it was a comedy or like a fun action film, you know. And then it got dark and 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 alienish and and zombies that are highly intelligent that are actually more like intelligent aliens instead of undead creatures that just want blood and they have a leader and and he has a a, a girlfriend spouse and, and a, oh man i'm just shaking my head going what in the world is this you know and the problem is the stuff you're hoping kicks in and is fun or is at least good action just never happens this movie's dull um, anytime it's sort of picking up any momentum, characters will stop dead in their tracks and start talking about their families and giving us character background that you just really don't care about or want. It, it just shoots itself in the foot whenever it starts building momentum. You, you pointed this out before I could say it. And I'll just say one thing about the film, okay? They're hired by the guy that owns that bank, owns that casino, and owns that safe. Okay, he owns the casino and the safe. So what does that mean, Adam? He should be able to open it. Why do you need a safe cracker? <laughs> That's what I mean. I mean, you cannot... You're telling me you don't... That's just one of a hundred things in this film where you're like... You cannot poke at any of the internal logic in this film because they're even on a different mission. And you know? let me put out this. The film introduces a lot of weird little elements along the way that there might be aliens, there might be time travel. Why, might that, be don't get them wet. There's a water. Don't thing. get them wet. <laughs> you, know, um, you know. And this isn't a spoiler. Some character brings up what happens to the, the zombies when it rains. And there's never any rain in the movies. So. It never rains. You don't ever know. <laughs> so there's just so many little weird plots that feel unresolved. Yeah. Now, this is getting spun off every which way imaginable. There's already a, a prequel coming with the Safecracker, um, Dieter, that's going to be called Army of Thieves. Um, they're talking future sequels, they're talking shows, and this might be the new model for Hollywood because they're doing the same thing with James Gunn's Suicide Squad. Right. We are getting that in August, and they're already deep into production on a show about one of the characters. 
Uh, James Gunn is working with John Cena's character, Peacemaker. Yeah, and I'm all for that kind of stuff. I think that's great. Let's get a lot of tie-in stuff to the main tentpole stuff. Marvel's already has been doing that for years, you know? And Warner Brothers has been trying it, but it doesn't seem to have gotten off the ground. Like for Dune, for instance, they talked about some ongoing series that would go along with Dune that has had trouble getting to camera. And even with John Wick, there's been a continental series that's been in development hell for some time about the hotel. So other studios have thought about doing this. But I think we're going to see a lot more investment in these properties where if people like the movie, here's more engagement options. If you like the movie, watch the show, watch the prequel. We're building up these IPs into being more than just a single film. Right, exactly. So what else about Army of the Dead? What about some of the actors in it? Dave Bautista, what did you think? Um, it's good to see him in a lead role. Um, yeah. I was happy to see that. And he's, you know, I think he can carry a lead film. Yes, absolutely. You know, I, I, he's a good actor, you know? He's, there's a, he's, not, he's more than just physical comedy, right. you know? He can carry a film, you know? Um, but any, anybody else at all, the performances jump out to you at all or anything or Tig was a standout just cause she was a unique character. Well, Tig she's, and she always plays that kind of right. keep you off, keep you off base a little bit character. She's just great at that. You know, um, for as bad as the Star Trek discovery series was, <laughs> she was one of the good things about it, you right. know, that I really enjoyed her in that. The rest but, of the characters all just feel sort of what you'd expect cookie cutter vanilla yep yeah your tropes yeah absolutely um you know not everyone's gonna make it out alive but you're just really not invested in any of the characters now because this has the of the dead name i should point out it's not related to any of the romero universe yeah because Zack snyder remade dawn of the dead which was a remake of a George Romero film. This is not tied to any (laughs) of those films at all. It's its own zombie verse. But is it in Zack Snyder's mind? (laughs) We'll never know. (laughs) I'm just teasing. They are fast zombies, which is a Snyder trademark. Yep. No, yeah, absolutely. In Snyder's universe, um, I think Simon Pegg said this, death is an energy drink. (sighs) Yes. So... I'm, I can't recommend it, um, but if you had some of your buddies and you were having a fun night and you wa- wanted to watch this for fun or something, yeah, sure, put it on, you know, uh, have some good good beverages that you drink. And, uh, and you, it, it, this could be affected by a crowd, too, because I will say this. I have friends that saw this and liked it outside of either of our showings. Right. And it could have just been affected by the rooms we were in. I mean, you, you saw it with someone that was negative on it. The room that I was in was generally negative towards the film. Um, if you were in a more boisterous environment that was having a good time with it and enjoying it, it could have been a different experience. No, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I, at least I hope so. You know, who knows if this was a Friday night film and, and the theater's packed and the whole nine yards and the people are getting into it. Could have been a little different maybe, but I, I just... Oh, you know, I'm watching it on in ultra 4K HD, HDR, the whole nine yards. And and uh, I just, oh man, had the sound up good and loud and lights down and was kind of, you know, thought me and Tori would have a good fun, fun run with it, you know, but it just wasn't meant to be. Now, in my household, you never know what's going to play next. So I played Death Spa, this 1989 terrible horror movie that I love afterwards and no one else had seen it and i will say that played a lot better than army of the dead <laughs> to my crowd yes absolutely 
Absolutely. Well, I, Adam, I think that's going to wrap it up for Army of the Dead and our podcast today. Um, what anything coming up? What should we promo? What what's what do our listening audience? What do they have to look forward to moving forward? Uh, the first big release of the summer we'll be catching here and we're doing a podcast on will be A Quiet Place 2. So what's your anticipation level for A Quiet Place 2? Buzz on it is very solid. It's uh, It builds on the first one. It, explain, it expands the world in some interesting ways and it's just a bigger film overall. Where the first one was a kind of a quieter piece about just the family. We're now seeing a wider slice of the world um, in dealing with these creatures. I will say I'm very ex- looking forward to seeing the film. I really liked the first film a lot. Uh, I only had one kind of major beef with the film. Um, and I, this is not to be a spoiler, not trying to spoil the, the however four years old, five year old the film is now. But I, I did come away with their solution, their survival technique. I kind of was like shouldn't the government have figured that out in the first two minutes of the alien invasion? And so that made the film a little bit of a letdown. I was hoping for a different survival, you know, thing, but I'm anxious to see how they address that. And cause we're going to get some prequel stuff. We're going to get not prequel, but the pre- film opens with that. Yeah. Seeing the invasion. Yeah. Seeing the invasion and stuff. Yeah. And so I'm sure we'll get some flashbacks and stuff. And we have a little, you know, well, I don't want to get into spoilers, but if you've seen the trailers, yeah, it looks good. Looks like it'll be another sit on the edge of your seat, you know. Um, so, anything else coming up? We're looking forward to. I guess that's good enough for now. And Fast and the Furious after that. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. I'm hoping we can get into the theaters. That is a theater only release, right? Correct. That's from Universal. Awesome. So that should be great. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of the Film Coterie. How can folks get a hold of us, Adam? We are all across social media. You just have to look at our handle at Film Coterie on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And our podcast is available anywhere. For the most part, you can download a podcast. Yep. Anywhere you can get a podcast, just look up the Film Coterie. We'll be there. And until next time, we'll see you guys later. 